All right, let's get started today. Two weeks ago, we actually started a uh, series about the Holy Spirit and had an interruption last week, which was fantastic. Austin did a great job bringing God's Word last week, just a fantastic job, great responses to that. Um, I thought it was very encouraging and, and um, alarming in a great kind of a way. It kind of wakes you up like, hey, holiness is a real thing, and we need to pursue God with all of our heart. So today we're coming back again to looking at the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, but in specifically, what about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he has given to the body of Christ? One of the most fascinating things in the whole universe is the human body. Uh, all of the exploration, all of the medication, all of the, the, the medical industry, technology, research, all of that is just so intricate and, and wonderfully uh, real and lets us know the intricacies of our body. And I uh, just came up with some, uh, some of them are kind of uh, bland facts, but some interesting as well, is there are 78 organs in your body. Of course, five are vital. And if you're in the medical industry and I'm not quite right, I'm sorry. <laughs> just went to Google, you know. The tongue has 8,000 taste buds, less if you've had COVID, but we won't go there. <laughs> I still can't smell anything, so. <laughs> uh, you're taller in the morning than you are at night. That was a different response than what I was expecting, but anyway. There are 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body, enough to circle the earth two, three times, I think. Your eyes blink 10 million times a year. And scars never disappear. They may fade or weaken, but they never disappear. We're going to talk a little bit more about that coming up. God has given us a wonderful comparison between the human body and the body of Christ, the church here on earth. This comparison of the body, our human body, with the body of Christ, those who are Christ followers, is um, unmistakable. Uh, over and over again, there's a reference to the similarities of the body, and that's what we're really going to hone on, in on, on today. As a, a really kind of a brief description of the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to the body of Christ, I came up with just a, a simple statement, four little statements backed up by Scripture. They go like this. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to everyone. Everyone who is a member of the body of Christ, who's accepted Christ as their Savior, the Holy Spirit gives a gift or gifts to them. Next would be to be used in love. These gifts are to be used in love, not for uh, self-promotion, not for drawing attention to self, but they're to be used for the, uh, in love. They're to be used in love. Thirdly, they're to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Everything we do as followers of Christ is to bring him glory and honor. And then fourthly, it's there to build the church. That's the purpose of those gifts. So if we put that all together, we say the Holy Spirit gives gifts to everyone to be used in love, bringing glory to Jesus and building the church. And so that's vital for us to realize when we go into this subject of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that that's what it's all about. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to everyone to be administered in love to bring glory to Jesus, and to build, strengthen, edify, encourage, inspire the body of Christ or the church. Let's talk about 
uh, three different things. And I just kind of warn you right now, we may not actually finish everything that I want to say today. And some of you are saying, oh, thank God. <laughs> we won't be here till two o'clock. Um, but if not, we'll, we'll, keep, uh, we'll pick up next week. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And there may be uh, some here today who say, well, you know, this gifts of the Spirit, I'm not really sure um, if that's really for today. Is that really something that um, God wants us to participate in today? I know it was something years ago, the apostles and the first century church, but is it something that we're really supposed to have today? Now, there are Christians who believe that the time of the gifts of the Spirit is over. It's not for today. That's what some Christians believe. And so I thought, let's just go ahead and address that right up front. Let's just figure out what the Word of God says. And this tends to be the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 that many people focus. There's basically two lines of thought on this, is that some people would say, well, the gifts of the Spirit were for the age of the apostles. So when the last apostle died, uh, that all the gifts of the Spirit ended then. I've never, ever found a, a scriptural reference for that. I've never had anybody give me a scriptural reference. It's just what some people say and believe. Okay, well, if you don't have a scripture to back it up, there's really no weight there. Another uh, interpretation would be, well, when the Bible was completed and it was canonized and put together, then we no longer needed the gifts of the Holy Spirit because now we have the Bible. Okay, and what we're getting ready to read is what the verse that people use to make that claim, that now we don't need the gifts because we have the Bible. Well, let's look at what the Bible says about that very subject. And this is the verse that is used to try and convince people that that is true. So we're in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Let's read verses 9 through uh, the end. Well, verse 8, love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness, and there it is right there, when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So some would say, well, once the word of God came, and the completeness of God's word, then we no longer needed those gifts. I want to ask you a question, though. It says, where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Can anyone claim that we no longer need knowledge? It, it, all parents can answer that really quickly. Yeah, we need knowledge. We also need prof the prophecies of inspiration, direction, encouragement. We need tongues and as a gift of the Holy Spirit, interpreted and edifying us. But let's keep reading. Paul saying, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. How many of you still see dimly or as a reflection in a mirror or through glass? When then we shall see face to face. We don't see God face to face, but we will one day. And when that day comes, yeah, we won't need prophecy and tongues and other things. He says, now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. Do any of us here know fully? Y'all are getting quiet on me real quick. 
yeah, we don't, we, don't, we don't know everything now. We don't see everything clearly now. And so if the gifts of the Spirit were because we didn't know everything, but now we do know everything, that in and of itself is a fallacy. So does that, does that make sense? Is that clear? So I wanted to clear that up right at the beginning. I know a little deep. We just took a real deep dive there, right? We went to the deep end of the pool. All right, we're going to come back up, all right? Because I think it's important to, to just reference this because if we're talking about something and somebody's going like, well, I don't even believe that, let's clear that up right now. So the gifts of the Spirit are for today. In, in, in my estimation and from what I read in Scripture, there's no doubt about that. Now, here's another caveat in that is that many people will allow experience to determine their theology. Theology is God thought or what you think about God. Theology does, is not determined by experience. It may be supported by experience. It, it, it may be demonstrated by experience. But theology is found from God's word, not from experience. So experience will confirm what the Bible says, but it does not change what the Bible says. So you might have an experience, uh, and some people right now today in today's society says, well, you can't argue with my experience. I beg to differ. I can argue with your experience. What if, what if you, you say, well, you know what? I, I had a dream yesterday afternoon, and I dreamed that I was flying. I wasn't in a plane. I, didn't, I was just flapping my arms, and I was flying. I happened to hit a cocaine right before that, but, you know... I dreamed I was flying. And so don't argue with my dream. I had the dream. It's my vision. It's my experience. Well, that, when, when that type thing happens, it's actually a confirmation of what Solomon wrote in Proverbs. Those who drink much wine see strange things. Okay? So, so experience does not determine theology. It doesn't determine what God is up to. Okay. All right. You got it right? We're good? Okay, so the gifts of the Spirit of God are given today, but they are guarded by love. Now, this is very important because many times, sometimes the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not administered in love. They're, they're, they can be administered in judgment and in condemnation and self-appraise, uh, uh, applause. or There's all kinds of, because we're flesh, right? We're still living in this, in this world. But let's look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to turn back a little bit to Romans chapter 12. And this is where uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, all of these are, are vitally important for us to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are guarded by love. Let's start reading here in, in Romans chapter 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, this is a statement of introduction to what is getting ready to follow. He's saying, it is vitally important that you not follow the pattern of the world, but you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you can prove what the will of God is. What is the pattern of the world? Now, I'm not talking about all the different things that the world has to offer, but what is the pattern of the world? Basically, you're your own person. You make the decisions. You determine what you're going to do. You get what only you can do, and whatever you do is what you get. It's kind of like you're on your own. Okay, there may be a God, but you know he's way up in heaven somewhere doing something. I'm here. I just got to do what I can do, and it's all up to me. That's kind of the pattern of the world. 
And what the apostle is saying, the Holy Spirit is writing to the Roman church, and he's saying, don't fall, in, don't fall into that pattern. Because God has given you gifts, and he wants to minister those gifts in and through you so that you can accomplish more than what you could accomplish. You can see more than what you could see, and more could be done than if you were just doing it by yourself. And that's where churches fall into a pattern of spiritual decline when it just becomes what we do and when it's all about us. And they forget the power of the Holy Spirit working through them that can solve problems they don't even know they have. You still with me? So Hope Crossings, as an individual body of Christ, member of the overall body, we're here. This is our post. This is where we are. Our job is to say, God, we don't want to fall into this pattern of saying it's all up to us. It's whatever we can do. But we're saying, God, Holy Spirit, you've filled us and you've given us gifts. We want to minister those gifts so that we can see you do great things in people's lives. The gifts are given to every person in the body of Christ to be administered in love, to bring glory to Jesus and build up the church. So if we just wanted to see what we can do, well, we don't really need to call it a church. We could call it anything. But if we're the church, then we want to say, God, I want to see what you can do. And you've given me gifts to administer so that we can see you do great and mighty things. And we may get to the verse in Hebrews that we will get to, if not today, next week, that really point that out. So... Here we're saying we've, we've got to be guarded in love. Now, here in Romans 12, let's keep reading because he goes through and he really starts talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how important love is in the body of Christ. It says, verse number three, For by the grace given to me, I say to, to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Aren't you glad he doesn't say, don't think highly of yourself? He didn't say that. I think, I think we should think highly of ourselves. Just don't go overboard. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. He says, but have sober judgment in accordance with faith. God has distributed to each one. For just as, in, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to one another. Here we're, he's seeing that, that beautiful picture of you understand your body and all the different organs and functions of your body, but yet every organ contributes to the health of the body. He talked about scars uh, never disappear. And in this pr preparation that I was studying about the human body, and I, I came across something pretty interesting about uh, scars and what the body does, but when you have a cut or a wound, something like that, your body, of course, just immediately goes into, okay, fix this. And, of course, white blood cells go, and they, they do their deal. But then in the, the dermal layer of your skin, there's what's called collagen, which you young people enjoy while you have it. You never realize what you have until you start losing it. Just thought I'd bring that out. Um, but you have this stuff called uh, collagen. And so in the dermal layer, it immediately begins the process of bridging the gap and pulling the two, not necessarily pulling the two pieces of skin together, but at least building a bridge between them. 
But, you know, it took nine months for your skin to be formed in your mother's womb, and it was all lovely and wonderful, and it was just like, oh, yes, okay. But now we're in emergency mode because we have a cut, we have a wound, and so everything's like going haphazard, so to speak. And so that collagen just begins to just crisscross and just go haywire, and it's, it's described in, in one way as unorganized collagen. And the picture is, um, let's say that uh, you and your wife, uh, empty nesters, and so your, your grandchildren are coming over in the afternoon for a cookout and slip and slide in the lawn. We're making this up as we go. And so you go out on the deck to kind of clean it up. You know, you're going to cook hamburgers and hot dogs. And so all of a sudden you, you step down and the board on your deck breaks. And you're like, oh, no, I got kid, grandkids coming here this afternoon. I might lose one through the hole. I can't let that happen. And so you're like, well, what I need to do is go measure this board. I need to go to Home Depot and buy a board. I need to get the screws to put it in there. I've got to stain it. But you don't have time for that. You've got an important event coming up that afternoon. So what do you do? You go into the garage. You get a couple pieces of scrap wood. And what do you do? You just nail it down. You're like, it's not pretty. It's not what's supposed to happen, but it fixed the problem. That's kind of what collagen does in your skin. It just kind of fixes the problem. We got to fix this because we can't let infection get in. How does that relate? As the body of Christ, we all have gifts. And all of those gifts are used for the benefit of the body of Christ. And sometimes they, they don't work quite right. They don't make it just the way it was before but the problem is solved. And what's important is the problem is solved. And so the gifts of the Holy Spirit are there to minister health and healing to the body. No, it's not perfect. Sometimes it's not done perfectly. It's kind of unorganized sometimes. You you still tracking with me? But what is the goal? If the goal is perfection, let's all check out. If the goal is let's get healthy and let's get strong and let's become resilient, then we're in good shape, right? Do you know that scars do not bother God? We all come into the body of Christ. We all come into the church with scars. We've been beat up and wounded by our own sin and other people's sin. And we come in all just kind of mangled a little bit. And all of a sudden, begins, we, we, we begin to get healed and strengthened. But we still have the scars. And even after accepting Christ and receiving his grace and forgiveness and coming into health, we, along the process of following Christ, experience cuts and wounds again. Maybe it's because we're Christians. Maybe it's because our family no longer likes us or our friends have rejected us because we're now a follower of Christ. It could be a a myriad of different things. But we have those moments and times when we get wounded in life. And what happens, it's, it's, if we're just relying on ourselves, the healing might take a long time and may never happen. But if we come a part of a body and we're ministered to by the body of Christ, it all of a sudden that white blood cells start attacking and going and the collagen starts doing its thing and the whole, whole thing begins to work. And it can, it can not be perfect. It might not look perfect but we're healed and we're strengthened and scars don't bother God. Some little boys freak out when they, they get a cut and they're all upset about it. And I always encourage them with these words, chick, chicks dig scars. And they look at me and they're like, I have no idea what you're saying and I, I need to stop saying that. 
So he's saying God gives gifts to every person. He's saying it must be administered in love. We're not going to continue to read Romans 12, though that was the plan. But I want you to read Romans 12. He talks about the gifts of the Spirit, a gift of serving, gift of mercy, gift of teaching. All of these things are working toward the body of Christ. And we see in this gifts of the Spirit this great tension that we all experience, whether we realize it or not, this tension between autonomy and community. There's a tension there between I'm going to do it my own way and I'm going to do my own thing because that's what's in my heart and I'm going to do but then there's this need, as, as Lee brought up, that we, we're social beings and we, we need one another and we need to come together. And there's this tension here, doing it my way, doing my own thing. Oh, I need people. And here the gifts of the Spirit are exactly not the remedy for that. It, it, is, it is the beauty of that tension, autonomy and community. You are a member of the body of Christ and you might be the only fill-in-the-blank in this church. The gift that you have, you might be the only one in this church that has that gift, or there may be two or three. But there's an autonomy to that. There's a yes, God has placed me in this church because I have this gift, but I'm the only one that has it. And I'm a social being. Sometimes it just slays me when, when, when somebody with a, with a gift comes into a church, and I've seen this my whole life, they come into a church and they have this gift that this church is lacking and they don't stay because nobody else has that gift. It's like, I, I, I'm a very, or, now don't respond to this, but are you one of those people that your, your junk drawer is organized? You know, some, you, most people have just a junky place. Somewhere where they like, I don't know what to do with this, it's going in that drawer, Right? We just have that spot. It may be a box. It may be a drawer, something. The organized people say, yes, it's called a trash can. <laughs> if you have the gift of organization, the people that don't have that gift really need you. I got one amen from that. <laughs> from one organized person who's willing to admit it. Yeah. So the autonomy, individual, that's my gift. That's who I am. But I'm a part of a body, a community that I can help build this church up. See? Mercy, teaching, giving, all of these things are gifts that God gives us. We have the autonomy in the community, all right? So they're administered in love, not in judgment, but in love, not in, not in a, a, a build me up, but build the body up. And that's how they're administered. And that's why when you see a lot of uh, uh, gifts, they're, they're kind of behind the scenes. I mean, you think about it, the gift of serving. If there weren't people exercising the gift of serving today, we w we'd be full, filled with little bitty children and babies and, and things like that, right? But there are people back here that are serving with the, with, with the gift of serving, the gift of helps. And that makes our time together enjoyable, right? All right. So... The gifts of the Spirit are for today. They're to be guarded in love, but they're there to guide the church. One more verse, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. And just as a, a little... I'm in 2 Corinthians. I knew something was going wrong. 
1 Corinthians 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 is about love. 1 Corinthians 14 is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we might make the mistake of thinking that the Holy Spirit was playing a trick on us. Hey, we're going to freak them out. Paul, I'm inspiring you to write in chapter 12. You don't know it's going to be called chapter 12, but they're going to call it chapter 12. I want you to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And let's freak them out and take a sharp right turn and talk about love. And then the next chapter, we'll take a sharp left and come back and talk about the gifts. And that's not what the Holy Spirit was doing. He was saying, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but love is the focal point. And now let's talk about the gifts of the Spirit again. Without love, the gifts of the Spirit, though I talk with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, what am I? Yeah. If I give all that I have to the poor, but I don't do it in love. Even if I give my body to be burned in the flames, but I don't do it in love, it's, there's nothing there. That, that chapter's always read at weddings, right? We think it's like the wedding chapter. It's a chapter about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they're to be administered in love. But lastly, they're there to guide, to be a guiding force for the church. First uh, Corinthians 14 and verse uh, 26. He says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or revelation, a tongue or interpretation, Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything must be done so that the church is edified, strengthened, healed, encouraged, empowered, brought to a place of resilience. Instead of us thinking that, hey, it's just what we can do, how about if we just sit back and say, Holy Spirit, I want to be so filled with you, and I want you to just flow through my life so that I am absolutely amazed at what you do. I'm amazed that church is more than us. Church accomplishes more than what we could accomplish because the Holy Spirit is moving through every one of us so that we recognize the gift God's given us and we begin to recognize the gift God has given to other people and we begin to recognize and appreciate, hey, that person's doing that because that's their gift. That person's doing it because that's their gift. I'm doing this because that's my gift. And the whole church is built up and strengthened. And what happens to a community that sees a healthy group of people, they want to gravitate toward that and be a part of health because they recognize, and this is not a judgmental statement, they recognize their lives are a little messed up. And then we come in and say, you know what? My life was messed up too, and then I met Jesus, and it got a little better. Still got some rough edges. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and God's ministering his grace and his mercy through me and the gifts of the Spirit through me, and I'm still a little messed up, but things are getting better. And I'm a part of a body of Christ that is joined and knit together and building one another up and we're strengthened and we're whole and we're encouraged. And people want to be a part of that. And that's what draws people into a church. So as the church is healthy, everything that happens within that community begins to be affected. And that includes even the attacks of the enemy against the church, against his body. But as we're whole and we're strengthened, then we're able to withstand that. And as we're following Christ and we still have that opportunity for scars to come into our life, we realize that the body of Christ brings healing, strength, resilience, and health. I want to end by uh, using this illustration uh, that, that uh, I read several years ago. And that is about a uh, young woman many, many years ago 
um, she had her boyfriend, her fiance, her lover uh, in another place and he was, uh, had, was traveling. And so he sends her a letter back, which takes three weeks to get there. And she's been anticipating any word from him because she's just so in love and she misses him so much. And finally the postman comes and brings the letter to her. And so she, she grabs it from the postman and she's so excited. She just kind of runs through the house and back down out, uh, out the back door into the back. And she goes down to the gazebo by the pond and, and she's just wanting so much. Oh, I'm t- I want to I hear from my lover, my boyfriend, my fiance. And her little collie dog is running with her and he can tell she's very excited. And he sits beside her on the gazebo and she opens up the envelope and she begins to read several pages. And as she reads the first page, she is just enthralled and she's so excited. She puts the page down. She goes to the second page. She, he, she puts it down. He goes to the third page. As the wind is blowing, a couple of those pages drop on the floor and the collie goes over and looks at the letter, looks at the paper. Every one of us knows that a dog sees better than we do. A dog sees everything and hears everything. So the dog is looking at the piece of paper. The dog sees white paper with black marks, and he sees every mark. But he doesn't see anything. What does she see? She is not concerned if all the T's are dotted and all the I's are crossed. And the eyes dotted, whichever one that is. Nobody writes anymore, right? <laughs> She's not concerned about that. She doesn't care if the grammar's perfect and commas are in the right spot. The dog sees all of it, but he sees none of it. Because what is she seeing? What is she reading? What is touching her? It is not the ink on the paper. It is the heart of her lover. We can scrutinize and look at the gifts of the Spirit and figure them all out and all that stuff, and we can miss the point. Let's not be like the collie, and we got to figure this out before we move forward. Let's move forward and figure it out as we go. Let's move forward with the heart and love of our Savior in us, moving through us, the Holy Spirit being poured out on us. Say, well, what if we don't do it just right? Love isn't that way. Love just says, I love you. I may not, I may not do all the things right. The grammar may not all be right, but I'm communicating to you that I love you. I think, I think God in his perfection, God is perfect, but he's saying, look, I've demonstrated to you perfectly. I have written to you perfectly, but between each other and between one another, we're not perfect. Let's not worry about that. Let's get busy doing the work that God's called us to do. And we are doing that. I'm just saying, I see in the next five years, Hope Crossing's doing so much more. We're doing it. We're doing the deal. We're, we are the body. We're doing great. We're serving. We're giving. We're loving. We're moving forward. I just see a community that needs Christ in such a bad way that we need healthy, strong, vibrant churches allowing the Holy Spirit to move through our lives so that we are healthy and strong. And as people who are unhealthy come into the body, we welcome them. It's not a nuisance at all. It's not a bother. It's like, yes, please let God do for you what he did for me. Let God do for you what he did for her and him and them and all that. Let God do for you. That's what the body of Christ, that's the gifts of the Spirit working in the body of Christ. Well, how does this all happen? It's a matter when we say, Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me to overflowing. The Word tells us that Jesus said, if you ask God to give you the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you something different. 
He's not, he's not going it, to, it's like a father. He said, if your child comes to you and, and he asks for a fish, are you going to give him a rock? He says, no, you're not going to do that. And if you will give you good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so we say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit and let your gifts flow through my life. I, I, want, I want to not be concerned about what people think about me administering the gifts. I just want to administer the gifts and bring health and strength to the body. Amen?